Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, y'all. I'm Tressie McMillan-Cottom, the co-host with Roxanne Gay of Here to Slay from Luminary. We have an excerpt from this week's show that we'd like to share with you. We recently had a great conversation with Patricia Matthew about being Black in academia and why tenure and the entire process of it is so often racialized. If you want to hear more, you can listen to the entire thing by going to luminary.link slash slay. Every Black person in an American workplace understands the dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's just that tenure amplifies and lifts the stakes up because the possibility of not being terminated easily Mm -hmm. makes everything harder. But um, when Written Unwritten first came out, the first people who wanted to talk to me were people Mm -hmm. in industries where people were um, having the exact same experiences, but they were more subtle because you can fire someone more easily than you can deny them tenure. Mm -hmm. So partly I think that those issues resonate with everyone. If you were telling people they have to go to college then they're going to pay attention to the environments. And if the environments are not inclusive, they understand the problems with that. I think that it's interesting that almost every time there's a tenure denial, the protests come from students, not the faculty. So I think it just hits on something really fundamental about how people imagine higher education. We're supposed to be smarter than tenure denial cases. Yes. And it hits, I think it also hits to the um, fantasy that people still cling to that merit matters. And if you've gotten a PhD, you have mastered numerous systems that are designed to exclude you. So you touched on something that I think is tied up in all of this, which is the idea of meritocracy. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes those of us who get to this level, you know, you can't help but start to believe in it a little because we know how hard we worked and that like, yes, okay, for once, cream rose to the top, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, how do we encourage people to abandon the myth of meritocracy so that when a Cornell West is denied tenure at Harvard, where he used to teach, and I think he even got a degree from. And was tenured last time Girl, he was there. Right. Listen. Like, when an institution does some some really odd crazy shit like that, you know, that, that we won't be as surprised because we shouldn't be surprised given everything we know about black people in tenure. And yet here we are like, because it's shocking, like Cornell West, like stay, say what you will about him. Give the man his tenure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Robin Kelly's essay on it was oh, just yes. a barn burner, you know, and the first question was so perfect. Why was he hired without tenure? Mm-hmm. He made the point that it's not just that Cornel West publishes more. Mm-hmm. He is also published about more, uh-huh. right? And I also always think about who the audience is. Mm-hmm. So um, at the end of my talks, white academics are always, what can we do? What can we do? Mm-hmm. And I always say, admit that you didn't get here because of merit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell the story of your dissertation advisor who introduced you to the acquisitions editor yep. at the elite university press 
who sort of put your book proposal forward or guided you through systems, tell the truth about the friend who Mm -hmm. was editing a special journal issue that held space for you. In other words, just be really transparent about all of the ways that the currency of academia have been made more more accessible to you, Mm -hmm. not because you're better, because of who you know. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other part of merit is, because I've been really pushing back in conversations where people think that they're helping I don't know who they think they're helping. They invite graduate students and early career faculty do to sit the, on pedagogy yeah. panels to do the race and yeah, yeah. consciousness raising to at say, conferences. To do the DEI work, to yeah. teach the race. They won't hire a scholar to teach race, so they'll have the graduate right. students teach it. I was that person, by the way. Right? They don't want to hire someone to do the race journal scholarship, so they farm it out to adjunct faculty. Right. All of that work. And it takes away from the thing that you need to get tenure. That's right. Absolutely. At my first institution, Eastern Illinois University, they worked me to the, the bone. Mm-hmm. I They burned me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in my first year, I was running a program. It's it was crazy. It was mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. crazy. It's immoral. It is. It is. You know, and I would look at what my white peers were doing and they would always talk about how hard they're working and they were working hard, mm-hmm. but I was doing four times as much. Yep. And yep. then yeah. when I got to my next institution, I was just like, Mm-mm. I've done my time mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm, committee minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not going to be on your little search committee. Mm-hmm. And then an opportunity comes along where you know if I'm not in that room, yes, no one else that thing. looks like me is ever going to get in this room ever again. Right. Mm-hmm. And then resentment starts to build because I was actually publishing more yes, every year as an individual than the rest of the department combined. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I was keeping track. <laughs> sister. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. I go to that website yeah. and I'm like, where is she? Because I know the people who are there and I know what she's doing. Yeah. It's interesting to then like to deal with what I was dealing with, which was a, a, a significant pay disparity, mm-hmm. um, like in the order of like forty to $50,000. And I had thought I had negotiated well for myself. Yeah. I was like real excited about my little salary. Mm-hmm. And then I found out what I should be making. And I was just like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. it happened again. Yeah. And that finally is what destroyed meritocracy for me, mm-hmm. where I finally mm-hmm. got it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what people had been telling me all along. Right. I knew it, but like that was the thing that made me realize no, it just, it never existed. It's never gonna exist. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how do we reorient? Mm-hmm. And so, how do you deal with a world where you know meritocracy doesn't exist, but that you don't have an option but to work incredibly hard yeah. and be mm-hmm. the best? Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. negotiate that? Well, I think partly, and you got to it, understanding the value of what you're doing and asking a lot of questions at the front end. I think there's that Mm -hmm. moment between an offer and when you join the department and you feel very vulnerable because you think, oh, if I ask for too much, they're going to take it away from me. And also maybe Mm -hmm. not knowing that the things to ask for aren't just salary, even though that's part of it but to figure out what it is that you need to do your work. And then as much as possible to set the terms for the work conditions in this regard. How much, I mean, really specifically, what is my role in the department? Mm -hmm. How will I be protected from having to serve in capacities that are not commiserate with my status as a junior faculty member? Because the problem with the situation that you were in originally, Roxanne, Mm -hmm. is that you were asked to do a lot with very little institutional power. Mm -hmm. 
and they didn't want you to have it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they wanted you to be there for the black That's students, right. I would bet. Mm-hmm. But that was the purpose. It wasn't because you were a specialist, oh, right? Listen. It wasn't because you were a specialist, oh, a brilliant writer, you were a rising star. Mm-hmm. It was... Let, I said this to a university mm-hmm. president one time. I said, if you're hiring these black faculty to come in and to serve black students, you either need to pay them more and a lot more, or you need to tenure them on that work. That is exactly right. Mm-hmm. I really don't go around telling people all the horrible things people have done to me. I only do it if it serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. But I do remember this one because it was useful. I was interviewing at the University of Virginia, and I don't care. I say names. I remember this. And I'm sitting there in our interview, mm-hmm. and... They have recruited me, by the way. I did not go looking for this job. They came and asked me to interview. Um, and it was, you know, broadly about my areas of expertise. And, and so I asked the first softball question that one is trained to ask in such a situation. What would be my role in the department? Exactly what Trisha has advised us here to do. And the search committee chair fumbles around a bit and then just finally says, I'll just be honest with you. We just need somebody black. Ooh. I don't know if you know that the black students here are very angry and you may have seen it on the news and we just need somebody black. Talk about screaming the quiet thing out loud. (laughs) Right? So on the one hand, like, thank you, right? You just saved me so much time. Uh, (laughs) And then on the other hand, at least they had surfaced what is usually happening in these searches when we target black faculty. I would extend that to people of color faculty more broadly, also to people who are doing feminist um, and LGBTQIA Mm -hmm. um, scholarship or work or embody that identity. And that is the expectation that you're not a real member of the community, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're a benefit that they put in for the students, a resource. Quite literally, you are a resource. And yet nothing in the job values that. Mm -hmm. Salary, time, support, nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I always tell um, young faculty that it's not their job to fix their institution's diversity problems. Mm-hmm. Like I say it all the time, that it was there before you got there. That's it. It will be there the whole time. They will fire you. It will still be there. Mm-hmm. And they have burned out all the other black faculty who they have hired, right? Those people who are in the corner and the meetings who don't, you know, they scowl all the time. That's because they got burned out. Yes. Right? They take mm-hmm. advantage. <laughs> yes. They take advantage of our energy and goodwill, right? Yeah. And what those when what they really want is for you to come and have a lecture series. And uh-huh. they want you to come and advise student groups. Maybe even start a center for X. Oh, they point, love Whatever this. they're upset about. The center for Right. And the insult, and I really, I mean, this makes me so angry, is that we are experts and specialists. Mm -hmm. We did not get our PhDs and put ourselves in student loan debt to fix institutions. Mm -hmm. We have research agendas. I tell people my PhD is not in black. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm black. Exactly. My PhD is in something else. It's in something else. And the reality is I am woefully unqualified to do that sort of work. Me too. That is not what I have ever studied. And so whenever they look to me as the expert, I always think, oh dear, (laughs) (laughs) we're all in trouble. Right? (laughs) And there are fields for people who want to do that work. Yeah. And we need... We need the research that black faculty and scholars of color are doing. Mm-hmm. Like we actually need them publishing. We need them doing curriculum reform, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We don't need them on the student services end of things yeah. or doing extra advising. If you really want a meaningful diversity, it has to come from the faculty up. It has to be rooted in curriculum and hiring 
um, and tenuring faculty of color. And anytime you take them away from that, you're undermining the whole mission of the university, by That's the way. That's right. Yeah. It's not what we're trained in. Mm-hmm. And it's also not why we went to graduate school. You would build an intellectual community and then structure our jobs as being everything but the intellectual work. Yes. I mean, they just say to us from the outset, you will never be a full member of this community when they structure your work that way. Um, And I think it is something that does not come across in our training and mentorship. Mm -hmm. The extra labor of trying to train the people that come up behind us to not make these same mistakes is part of the invisible labor in and of itself, right? So uh, what do we do there? We're maybe no longer, you know, junior. We do have some of the answers or we got some Mm -hmm. idea of what's going Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. but we're just as overextended as they are. But so there are a couple of things. And one, I have to ask at this late stage, we actually know the people behind us are smarter than we were because they watched Mm -hmm, us, mm -hmm. right? And so I always ask people to be very careful about what you think you're doing versus what you're actually doing. Mm. Okay. Right. Do you think you're helping the institution or you think you're changing things or does it make you feel like you're contributing? Okay. And then I ask them how much of this, and it's a hard question and sometimes people give me side eye if I'm in a room with them, how much of this is a way for you to have community when your own research feels so isolating. Mm. In other words, it meets some need in some people, right? Yeah. Apparently none of the three of us. No. <laughs> no, I was about to say, you see my face going, oh yeah, I understand how it could go. No, I'm I lying. Like, no. I have no idea. But other pe- right, but right. there's a sense of, you know, in some places where they're particularly isolated, yeah. helping the students of color, that's their only experience. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the only place they have a sense of community. So I want them to understand that the work you want to do is different and it's Mm -hmm. isolating and it takes a long time. And then I give them the advice that I learned from you, Tressie. I tell them to get a whiteboard or a white sheet of paper and make a list of everything they want to write, everything they wish they could write and everything they need to write. And I say, put that someplace where you and everybody can see it. Yeah. So anytime somebody asks for your time, Mm -hmm. look at that board Mm -hmm. and see what you're not doing. Mm -hmm. The new thing I'm seeing now in the post-George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, is newly tenured associate professors being asked to step out of their work to run X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So you get that new associate professor, you offer them a little bit of money. Because they're so self- happy. They just made, happy. they just they're cleared. Made it, so, uh-huh. you know, if they're like Roxanne and they've been grossly underpaid, yep. this gives them more than the tenure bump. And I tell them, imagine how you're going to feel in a year, because that's all it'll take to be mm-hmm. out of step, in a year when all of the research you plan to do is no longer Viable. relevant. That's it's no right. longer timely. Because, and I saw this on Twitter, somebody said that administrative work takes 50% of your time, but it's every other minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's you exactly it. You can't the time out. Yeah. So I ask them to really think about their research. Mm-hmm. So in some instances, we can't change the institutions. We can challenge them, but mm-hmm. we can be really smart. And we can really be smart in how we present ourselves when we get those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, would you please do X or you want you to do Y? Um, Is there someone else in the department I can talk to for an hour on Thursday who is further along in their profession or who has more institutional authority to do that work? And Mm. it also means in some ways letting go 
of the sense that we're the only people who now, can do acts. Okay, let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Because see, ego yeah. is a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I think we have to own... Listen, I'm always going to blame white racism. You don't have to worry yes. about me. You're safe. I don't victim yeah. blame. It is always white racism. <laughs> right. Having right. said that, let's be real. Sometimes we want to feel value because we don't feel it anywhere else. Yes. Yes. And so here come the students. Here come your peers. Here mm-hmm. comes an administrator who normally wouldn't even know your name yes. and suddenly they want to sit you down and talk about how you can mm-hmm. uh, become part of this bigger thing and you're you're so valuable and we need this and blah 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 and the next thing you know mm-hmm. you're running the mm-hmm. center for the anti-racism anti-sexism exactly. anti-defamation mm-hmm. league on the, da, 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 with a $50 budget and they put the word center in front of it to make you feel that is special. right with an E on the end so it feels that's right so it's british so it's british right and that's ego thinking that we are now doing this thing i do not uh envy you being in the position to have people try to sacrifice that ego yeah because listen i have found that to be the toughest one yeah Yeah. to sit somebody down and go baby let me talk to you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are you really doing what you think you're doing well you know the woman who sat my butt down when i was on that path and told yeah. me to look at the CVs of mm. the senior women in my field that I admired. That's right. Mm-hmm. To look at what they had done, mm-hmm. see if I could talk to them, mm-hmm. and figure out if that's what I really wanted to do. And it was what I, I didn't want to do the other thing, but that's where the money was. Mm-hmm. That was where the sense that my hard-won experience would help and lift other people. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I went that other path. My experience is still helping other people. That's right. Yeah. And I'm getting the work done that I want to get done. Yeah. And you, I mean, you know, and you know, because you helped me get there, you know, the change in the last four years yeah. of my trajectory. Yeah. And it was so clear to a lot of wise people that I was going to go one way and I wasn't going to be able to do the work that I love. And it's actually, once you get through the, I mean, we're not all the two of you, right? You write, you process the world through language. You're ridiculously productive. I mean, really, you could slow down. Ah, shut up. But for the rest of us. <laughs> On the other side of that sort of alienating work, the more you do it, the better it gets. And I would be so sad. I would be so sad if I had given up the work that I get to do now, Mm -hmm. right? If I had given that up because I wanted extra money and some fantasy of authority. Because if you want to know how much an administrator is invested in your project, ask them if they'll hire tenure-line faculty to help you get it done. Then you'll see then you'll see. Look where the money resides. <laughs> Look where That's you know. Good <laughs> question. Damn. You know? <laughs> damn. 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 I would love to have. I would love to lead this center next. And yeah. I'll tell you who's doing this beautifully. Who it is Ayanna Thompson? Okay. At the Arizona Center for Medieval and Renaissance Studies. Mm-hmm. They just hired five faculty of color with appointments in the English department and that center. And here's what they did. This is brilliant because cluster hires are not the silver bullet, but they help. They all work on early modern studies, but from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And she has a strong dean who's supporting her. Mm -hmm. The center is reliant on the hiring of Of faculty of color into tenure line. That's it. And of the five, one of them is an associate Two of the black, two of them are black women and they're assistant professors, advanced assistant professors. One is a, a member of the Mohegan tribe. And um, I think one man is Hispanic slash Latinx, right? Mm. And he's an associate professor who will do administrative work. So in other words, they just haven't hired five people. They've hired them along the ladder. Mm-hmm. 
And here's the thing. See, institutions don't like to do that, though, because it shifts the balance of power. Every tenure person you bring in shifts the balance Mm -hmm. of power away Mm -hmm. from a white man somewhere who was hired 20 years earlier. That's always the tension. The power is Mm -hmm. with the tenure. The power is with the tenure. Yeah. All right. Because that's what, to circle back to Cornell West, that was the problem. They Mm -hmm. offered him a 10-year contract. Mm Mm-hmm. With a bunch of money, and I think maybe even a named chair. Yes. Yeah. They were willing to give that man everything anything but tenure. And I remember your story where you someone didn't want you to be full. Yep. Yep. And you asked the question, it became clear to you that there was a power dynamic there that was being withheld with no other logic. It wasn't That's right. Let's wait five years yep. to see, you know, yeah. Yeah, if know. the thing is gonna happen. It was wait a year. And when you were like, Well, what's gonna happen in a year? <laughs> And right. The, and there were two answers to that question. One, they were going to punish you for a year. Gonna they were going to haze you. you. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. And the other, and this is the thing no one wants to talk about, white academics want everyone to follow the path that affirms their own path. Ooh. And this is where Ooh. black academics freak them out. You can listen to our full interview with Patricia Matthew and many other incredible conversations that we have been having on Here to Slay by going to luminary.link slash slay, not dot com, y'all, luminary.link slash slay. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.